Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus, normally joined by Chris, but today it's just me. Chris will be back tomorrow. Looking forward to hearing from him again. Of course, we'll be taking your calls at 508-996-0500 all night. So, um, just trying to find clip i wanted to play you guys actually and well right, so basically uh i wrote a column on the i wrote a column on the 1985 fisherman union strike and yesterday uh will senat of the new bedford light joined us he joined us um Will Sennott joined us uh, from New Bedford Light yesterday uh, for, for a full hour, actually. And it was a really good discussion. A lot. We got a uh, good amount of call traffic in. People were calling in, giving their commentary on on what ha- uh, on, you know, what's happened uh, down at the port since, um, you know, over the last couple decades or so. But, you know, Will had his uh, had it had a, a report with ProPublica. Of, uh, about basically um, private equities squeeze on the local fishing industry. How you know an eleven billion dollar industry uh, that's ha- thriving over here in New Bedford uh, is seeing most of those profits, you know, go to Midtown or uh, go to the portfolio of a very wealthy Dutch billionaire family. He also talked about you know the. Um, how Carlos Raphael was able to amass, uh, you know, his um, fishing empire and talked about a few other things as well. Um, you know, we talked about the 1985-86 fishing strike and I've got a column actually up on WBSM.com about it. You can uh, you can check it out. It's really, um, I just, you know, I wrote it because I thought that it was uh, indicative of a lot of it was indicative of a of what was to come on the New Bedford port. You know, you're seeing right now, like I said, there's this, you know, that report on New Bedford Light. You should go check out um, Will and ProPublica and the, and the Light did a really good job exposing a lot of the, you know, where exactly the money from the port is going and how the local, the working class, uh, members of the local fishing industry are basically getting squeezed by a lot of expenses like uh you know they they have to incur the cost of maintaining re- repairing uh fueling the company owned boats you know they're getting whatever 14 cents a pound for the captain 7 cents a pound for the crew on a 2 dollar and 28 cents per pound uh you know product um, we talked about, you know, the history of cat shares and how far they've come from here. But my column that I wrote, and again, you can check it out on WBSM.com. In fact, if you have the app, it probably just came up uh, on your app notifications because that's one of the benefits of getting the app is that you can get notifications of, you know, important columns or important news stories, breaking news, which could actually be very important to you. I've got a story about how that <laughs> was important to me one time. Um, that, uh, I'll get into at some point later, but, um, 
the, the, the notification the notification should, should have just went out. That column is up on WBSM.com. I've got to give all the credit in the world to the Fishing Heritage Center for just existing, just being such a remarkable resource for our local fishing history. Um, but in particular, they have an exhibit just basically on the history of, you know, organized labor, essentially, uh, and this strike. Uh, at the at the Fishing Heritage Center, they have some digital exhibit, uh, exhibits too. Um, but at the Fishing Heritage Center, they have a they have um, these exhibits you can go to. And there's a you know I'd recommend actually if you're bringing a, a pair of headphones if if you're if you want to listen to the um, the they have a a little phone there. But if you bring some headphones and you can scan you can scan the barcode with your phone, you can hear the testimonials from people. Who like you know people who worked on the docks back then, people who you know immigrated here to uh, find an opportunity in the fishing industry. You can hear from Mayor uh, Lang, who's actually quoted uh, from that from that exhibit in my column um, about how, what it was like when the fishing when the port was unionized. And if you've got any comments, if you were a fisherman during that strike, or you knew somebody who was. Uh, if you were a member, if you were union, non-union, definitely interested in hearing your thoughts at 508-996-0500. By the way, later, uh, I believe in the 8 o'clock hour, and he's, he's, a, he's here for a local event, but later in the 8 o'clock, I, I, I'm thinking around the 8 o'clock hour, I'm going to be joined by Attleboro Mayor and candidate for Bristol County Sheriff on the Democratic side, Paul Haru, uh, he's he's down here. He wanted to stop by the station after, and just give an update on his campaign. You know, talk about how his um, you know how his campaign is going. So we'll definitely hear from him. We're going to hear from all the candidates in the sheriff's race, to include, of course, Sheriff Hodgson. And so, uh, looking forward to having uh, Mayor Haru in studio in a little bit. And of course, we'll be taking your calls at five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. But. Yeah, so we, you know, I, I talk a bit in the column, and again, you can check it out for the full, comp, you know, the, the comprehensive reading of it. But, you know, I just talk about what, you know, basically why it happened, you know, the the unrest, uh, you know, the types of um, the moments of uh, calamity that broke out during some of those demonstrations. And in fact, I just learned... I just learned that in that digital exhibit that is linked to my column on WBSM, in that digital digital exhibit is, and I can't believe I didn't see, it says it right there, but I didn't read it. It says it right there. It says, confrontation outside dealer's auction, Barry Richard reporting. So WBS, it wasn't WBSM's Barry Richard at the time. But uh, WBSM's Barry Richard was on the scene, and uh, I'd like to play a clip. I think it's interesting. Uh, these protests did, you know, based on the reporting, based on this particular reporting, get pretty raucous at times. You know, there were wires pulled from the Warfinger building uh, where the auction was held. Uh, the union auction was, you know, there was an auction, city-sponsored auction that was done with the union. Uh, at the Warfinger building, as you know, the Warfinger building is now host to a, uh, a very well-respected, well-known coffee shop. Um, it was one of the uh, end results of the um, of the uh, of the fishing strike, along with the the demise of unionized fishing on the port. But I'm going to play this clip. I think this is interesting, actually. And uh, let's um, let's play it. It's WBSM's Barry Richard uh, at, um, on the scene of the. Uh, 
of the of the 1986 uh, 85-86 uh, fishing strike in New Bedford. WNBH News. That striking, uh, we've got riot gear police uh, lined up uh, all down the street here, all the way past the gate. There are several police cars in an L formation at the gate. And I'm getting into better position here to see exactly what's going on. The dealers are out. They're out in the lot right now. And uh, they're walking to their vehicles. And there are, uh, I'm counting, let's see, about 15 so far. Some of them are running rather fast to get to their vehicles. We've got a, one man under arrest right in front of me throwing a rock. He's being carted right away to the paddy wagon now. These are now battling uh, with nightsticks against a group of picketers here, Russ. The cars are now flying at a very fast pace out of the lot. More rocks flying, uh, more cars coming out. Uh, people are being taken into custody left and right here. The last of the dealers are now out of the lot, hit the pavement pretty fast, and uh, the rocks continue to fly. And yeah, so that was uh, that was Barry Richard on the scene uh, back in 1986. If you're just tuning in, that's not happening right now. That happened about 40 years ago. But, um, but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty um, that's pretty interesting. So I wrote about it because I thought it was important. You know, you you hear what, what's going on with the scallop leasing and how they're concerned about the con- consolidation of industries on the on the fishing port. I know Mary Mitchell spoke out against it uh, himself. Um, you you know you see the report that we talked about at length. Uh, me and Will sent out on the. Um, on the uh, New Bedford light, uh, you know, he wrote, worked with ProPublica to expose a lot of the, the foreign capital that was, that's been, I mean, essentially bleeding the, uh, bleeding the, the, the profits from the fishing industry from, from the port of New Bedford and putting it into the portfolio of, uh, you know, a Dutch billionaire, uh, a Dutch billionaire family. So, um, I thought a lot of those issues were, you know, you, you look at the eighties and the, the the basically you know the acceleration of of the union busting sort of crusade and uh you know the paco strike and all this i know i talked about this yesterday but it's important because uh we're seeing you know what's happening to the local fishing industry and the local working class um fishermen now that there isn't an organized force for collective bargaining and i know there's some like uh cultural considerations too um you know that uh often fishermen you know there's many fishermen that pride themselves on being uh that pride themselves on being um independent contractors right being a company in and of them of themselves but um but uh it's um you know when as like Mayor Lang said in the exhibit, again, it's quoted on WBSM.com. You can check out the column. I encourage you to. I encourage you to check out the Fishing Heritage Center as well. Uh, you know, back then you, you you had better pay. People didn't complain about the working conditions or the pay or anything like that. It was uh, it was good. So, and I, I understand the, the fishing industry back then was a bit more sectarian too uh, than maybe it is now, um, you know, because... It was scallop uh, scalloping didn't dominate the the day as much as it did back then. It was mostly um, it was mostly ground fishing. But again, I just thought that was what happened there was again uh, just um, was a harbinger of, of of things to come in the port. And I really appreciate the work that um, that New Bedford Light Will Senate and ProPublica did to expose that. The podcast of this show um, should be out soon, probably in the next couple days or so. And so if you missed that interview, 
uh, with Will Senat. You can check it out. It's again, it's an hour long discussion, but we really uh, do a deep dive into um, a lot of the profit. You know, who's profiting off of what exactly? You know, how antitrust laws aren't. Uh, you know, in the East Coast, aren't really um, doing anything to combat. Uh, aren't doing anything to. You know, sort of. Um, uh, you know, rein in the inequities that are happening in this particular industry, really in any, in any industry, but in this particular industry and how essentially the, you know, quote unquote American dream, uh, I guess, uh, of, of, you know, working to, you know, cause they talk about that in the column. There's a guy who, who says, I, you know, I, I, I'd started fishing and my dream was to own my own boat, uh, own my, you know, work my way to captain and then eventually, you know, own my own vessel one day. And, you know, that, you know, due to the, you know, consolidation of permits between a few companies and the and tremendous wealth and power of the, um, of the entities that own a lot of the business on the, in the port, the people who wanted to work their way up through the ranks and eventually, you know, amass enough capital to, or at least enough collateral, right, to to purchase a, a boat. They've been basically foreclosed from that opportunity, right? And so that's why I wanted to bring it up. I thought it was important. And again, 508-996-0500 is how you can get in the program uh, if you want to... Um, talk about this you want to talk about other things again Attleboro Mayor Paul Haru uh, is calling in oh and yesterday we had um we had uh, Brad Markey calling to talk about uh, what happened he's chair of the finance committee city council of ward one chair of the finance committee talked about what happened in the um fine uh what happened in the finance committee that night it's one of my fa favorite features of this new program is that we're able to talk to the counselors right after a meeting and see what happened, right? So we get right away the news of what happened in those meetings. And I think you, we learn a lot. I've learned a bit about the city's, you know, bonding process and what's to come. The central kitchen story that they were talking about today, um, you know, uh, Mark, uh, Chairman Markey had told me that there was a uh, that was actually on the next uh, city council finance, uh, city council committee on finance meeting agenda. So um, all really important stuff. Again, one of my favorite new features of the program is that we're able to talk to the city councilors immediately after. And we talked to city councilor Ian Abreu uh, on Monday after the appointments and briefings meeting. And, you know, of course, when we have full city council meetings, we're definitely going to hear from the you know, we're definitely going to hear from uh, one of the city councilors uh, afterwards to get their thoughts and definitely during um, some of the subcommittee meetings, especially the really important ones. You know, there's some that happen. There's only an item on the agenda. The item's not that big of a deal or whatever. But there's some that are really important. You know, a lot of really important stuff happens in the ordinance committee. That's that's chaired by Councilor Dunn. Uh, the property committee chaired by uh, GS. The, um, the finance committee chaired by um, Mark. Yeah, all the committees, really. And so we'll be able to get some live reactions from that. All right, 508-996-0500. We're going to take our first break of the program, and then we will be uh, right back. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris is out for the night. Hey, welcome back to South Coast tonight. Uh, I'm Marcus. Chris is out for the night, but he will be back uh, tomorrow, Friday, our first Friday show. I'm in, uh, interested to see what that um, what that brings. Uh, but uh, later in um, 
in the, I said probably on the eight o'clock hour, I would guess, um, maybe later, but probably on the eight o'clock hour, we're going to get, we're going to have um, Attleboro Mayor and candidate for Bristol County Sheriff uh, Paul Haru. He's joining us. Uh, there's, you know, if you're unfamiliar, I know Chris and I talked about it on Monday, but if you're unfamiliar with the race, we'll give you a rundown here. Um, so, you know, Sheriff Hodgson, of course, he's been in office, uh, uh, I believe, since. 1998, 99, something like late 90s, let's say. Um, and he was a New Bedford, maybe 97, late 90s. He's been in the office since late 90s. Uh, he was a city councilor beforehand, a, a police officer in Maryland, I think, before that. And he's um, he's on the ballot again. He's running for re-election. Uh, he's amassed, a, you know, a, a $300,000 war chest uh, in uh, for for re-election, he already had I think about two hundred thousand dollars during the campaign season. And was able to raise more. He is, you know, of course, nationally a, a known as a bit a uh, firebrand. He's got a you know he's had a close relationship with President Trump, and uh, used to visit him at the White House quite a bit. Uh, his relationship with the Biden administration isn't, isn't as good. Obviously, he lost his contract with Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Uh, to maintain a holding facility for people awaiting immigration proceedings, uh, which, I mean, I don't think those should exist anyway. I like the local sheriff's offices having those facilities. I don't think those should exist anyway. I think those are a good thing. Some people disagree. But um, he has an opponent uh, this time around. He did not have an opponent last time. These are six-year terms. So the last time he ran was in 2016, uh, and the time before that, he had an opponent, which was uh, John Quinn, um, who was a state rep at the time, and uh, uh, the current DA, Tom Quinn's brother. Um, and that was a fairly close election. Uh, I think it was, you know, uh, they both got in like the 40 percentile, I think, you know, uh, Sheriff Hodge had a few points on him. Uh, I mean, he won. Uh, there wasn't a question about it, but it was a it was a fairly it was a very competitive let's, let's call it it was a competitive election for sure. So um, this this time around, there's three candidates that have uh, in the Democratic primary that are running to that are running for the right basically to face uh, Sheriff Hodgson in the primary. And Sheriff Hodge uh, Sheriff Hodgson didn't have a primary opponent this time. He's very well liked, obviously, by the state Republican Party as one of its longest. You know, as one of its longest elected officials, but he's running against um, either uh, Attleboro Mayor Paul Haru, who is going to join us shortly. Now he, you know, he'll tell you a bit about himself, but he was a, a corrections administrator uh, in Philadelphia and here in Mass uh, here in Massachusetts for the State Department of Correction. And he was a former state rep uh, up in that Attleboro uh, area, but prior to being elected to the mayor as as mayor of Attleboro. He's got about 54,000 uh just based on the recent reports from oh, the most recent report from OCPF and that's from the month of June. So it could be more, could be less, depends. But he's got about 54,000 in his bank account so far. So Definitely knows how to fundraise. Uh, you've got uh, George McNeil, who's the police chief in Somerset. He started the month of June uh, with 11000 uh, spent about, looks like he's uh, got about 5000 in receipts, about 12000 in expenditures. So he's got about 4000 left just based on the recent report. Again, this month could be more, could be less. Um, uh 
again, George McNeil, former Somerset police chief and, um, and professor at BC, uh, BC, Bridgewater State, actually my old, one of my old professors at Bridgewater State. I graduated from Bridgewater State, if anybody didn't know that. But um, And Nick Bernier, the, he is a former um, prosecutor, assistant district attorney under, under Sam Sutter, and he's a lawyer in private practice, once ran for governor's council. It was a pretty close race. Uh, he's got about... Looks like he's got about, based on the most recent report, 8000 on hand in cash. And so it looks like uh, it looks like Mayor Haru's pretty far ahead in the pack in fundraising. And to me, that makes sense because he's the only candidate who's, uh, I, mean, I mean, not to be mean, he's the only candidate who's won a race before, right? So it makes sense to me. Um, he's... You know, one race races for fairly big higher offices like mayor of a city or state rep. You usually raise usually if you win those races, you know how to raise a good chunk of change. So he's got about fifty four thousand in the bank, which isn't nothing, but it's it's going to be. You know, I'm interested to ask Mayor Haru his um, what you know what do you think you know what his uh, what he envisions as his uh, path to victory. You know, Chris and I were talking about it. Uh, a couple days ago and he doesn't you know he doesn't see it i i i i feel differently i think there's a you know i i definitely think there's a, a path to victory for whoever um emerges from the democratic primary uh to face sheriff hodgson of course you know everybody you know let's be honest it's of course the tall order right it's uh he's an incumbent with a lot of money long time incumbent with a lot of money in name recognition um you know as we talked about before 53 percent of bristol county know who sheriff hodgson is uh which is compared to 17 percent across the commonwealth know who their county uh sheriff is so he's definitely done a good job in getting name recognition some would argue for some would argue for the wrong reasons some would argue for the right reasons uh but um, we're looking forward to talking with Mayor Haru in, in the um, in the uh, in the uh, um, in the probably the eight o'clock hour. Um, like I said, he's camp, you know, he's, he's campaigning down here uh, in the South Coast, which is important. Uh, Mayor Mitchell, by the way, he said on uh, Tim's show a uh, conversation that he had with Chris and I off air when he was on with us on Tuesday. And he said, you know, uh, we're going to get you, you got to get those uh, candidates uh, in studio and I, and, and we're, we're, we're doing it, right? We're doing it. We've, we've been doing it and, uh, it's good. Cause it's good to visit the South coast during the campaign season. I think a lot of people feel as though the South coast is overlooked as a region that maybe people don't need to stop over in. Uh, and they maybe want to focus on the Boston suburbs, right. Or greater, the greater Worcester area. Um, but you know, there are people here, right? There are people here with real needs and there's a lot of important developments happening here, you know, with offshore wind, um, the fishing, uh, and the like. So, um, candidates definitely do need to come here and they will be coming here to that end. I actually uh, talked a bit about my column on, um, actually talked a bit about my column yesterday on the state auditors race. Now that race is, um, the state auditors race is, as I said, I think the most competitive statewide race this year from, from start to finish. The primaries are competitive in the Democratic primary and other situations. And perhaps the Republican uh, gubernatorial primary is competitive. And you know what I thought was interesting today? I was reading Playbook, uh, Politico's Playbook, and I saw that Chris Sununu 
the governor of New Hampshire is uh, at a fundraiser with Chris Doty. That's really interesting to me because, you, you know, if you're not familiar, there is a there is a primary for governor between Chris Doty, who is a businessman from, I want to say Rentham. I'll say Rentham, that like area, um, that Rentham, Plainville, Attleboro area. I think it's called the Hawk. Is it called the Hockamock area? But uh, from that area, and he's going up against Jeff Deal, who's a Whitman, former rep from Whitman, and ran for Senate against Elizabeth Warren uh, unsuccessfully. Although actually did better than, um, out of the losing statewide candidates, what's interesting about that race is he did better than, I think, just about everybody else. Um and I think he did better than everyone, except for Baker. Baker, uh, Baker and Polito one-handedly. But I think he did better than than everybody else. I know he did better than whoever ran against Suzanne Bump and whoever uh, who, Maura Healy's opponent, Jay McMahon. I know he did, he, he did better than him as well. Pretty sure he did better than the state treasurer uh, as well. I'm not sure about Secretary of the Commonwealth, but he had, uh, that's... I just thought that was an interesting piece of information. But he's he's running, you know, him and Chris Doty are running against each other. Obviously, there's like a Trump Republican, I guess, it was Jeff Deal. He was the co-chair of Trump's presidential campaign in 2020, state co-chair of his presidential campaign in 2020. He was uh, endorsed explicitly by President Trump, uh, even when it wasn't, we weren't sure if Baker was going to run again or not. And as Chris said, you know, Chris McCarthy, he said that he he believes that this basically ran Baker out. Uh, Baker could have, I mean, Baker could have ran for another term and probably won. He's a, the most popular governor in the country. And so it'd be difficult to convince people that he'd need to go. Right. Uh, I think he's got like a 78% approval rating or something like that. And Chris blames Jeff Deal for chasing him out. Um, but Chris Doty is, is trying to step into the you know, the void, I guess, left by Charlie Baker and whoever that, um, you know, that, that sort of, uh, moderate, uh, that moderate Massachusetts Republican that Chris, uh, that mean that Charlie Baker was that, um, Mitt Romney was, you know, before he ran for president, um, Mitt Romney's taken many forms in his lifetime. Uh, one of them was a moderate, uh, a moderate Republican, but, uh, in Massachusetts, but, what I thought was really interesting is you have Chris Sununu, who is a unabashed Trump supporter. Chris Sununu is an unabashed, he's the governor of New Hampshire. His dad was, uh, I believe his dad was the governor of New Hampshire as well. His dad was chief of staff to George, George Bush, um, George H.W. Bush. His brother uh, was, a, um, was a senator as well from New Hampshire. Chris Nunu is the governor of New Hampshire. He's an unabashed Trump supporter, very vocal Trump supporter. Um, I actually think I heard him on, on it was Howie Carr a while, like during the 2020 campaign, talk about how he thought Trump was going to win easily. And he is fundraising at a Chris Doty event. I think that's interesting to me because Chris Doty, I don't think has presented himself in that um, as I think he's presented himself as somebody who's, who's, you know, trying to distance themselves from, from the Trumpian type of politics. And he's got a supporter who's an unabashed, again, Trump support. Uh, una, he's got somebody at his fundraiser who's an unabashed Trump supporter. He says it's got nothing to do with deal. He was just asked to go to a fundraiser and he's there. But you don't, you know, he's not a dumb guy. 
He's the governor of a state. He's grew up in a political. He grew up in a political family. You don't go to someone's fundraiser unless you're supporting them. And he know, and he knows that too. So I thought that was, you know, it's it's something to watch out for to see where all that see where that support is going with the you know sort of New England Republicans because to be a really to be a successful I think Republican in New England politics, especially at the statewide level, you have to be more moderate you know the only you know baker's there you've got phil scott in vermont uh phil scott's again a very moderate guy he's just like i say just like um just like charlie baker uh sununu is a trump guy uh new hampshire's a little bit more conservative paula page was a um a maniac uh but um and they're saying that you know i think the republican uh, some of the Republican candidates up in Maine are in that mold as well. Uh, but for the most part, you need to present yourself with some moderation to win a state right, a statewide race. You know, Susan Collins is the only federally elected official, I believe, from New England. That's a Republican. She's the only one. And, you know, she's it's because she has an amorphous uh, political ideology, which is to say she has none. But she acts like a moderate when Mitch McConnell allows her to. And that's how she's able to keep her seat. Um, so I wrote that column on WBSM.com about the state auditor's race. And the, I think one of the most interesting things that people picked up to include the, uh, Anthony Amore. Anthony Amore has been sharing uh, the column. I, I was uh, enthusiastic about what I um, what I had written uh, about him in that column. But uh, he really enjoyed it. But what I was basically saying is I think in that race, the Democrats in that race... They have a tall. They have a. They have a. A more difficult task than the other statewide uh, elect Democrat elected uh, electeds. More Healy is going to win. More Healy will be the next governor. I think everybody's expecting that, barring something, you know, um, catastrophic on her end. I think she's she's going to be the next governor. You know, you've got Quentin Palfrey and Andrea Campbell running in the attorney general's race. I think everybody expects one of them to win. Right. Um, uh, state treasurer. No one's even talking about that race. Uh, Secretary of the Commonwealth. Uh, either, you know, Bill Galvin or Tanisha Sullivan, probably Bill Galvin based on historic uh, historical precedent. But we'll see. Um, they are they uh, they're going to win whoever they're going to win that race, too. Um, but I think the Democrat and uh, will you say is like, is a Democrat likely to win those races? Like, yeah, I think the Democrat is likely to win the auditor's race. Right. But, um, uh, Democrats likely to win the auditor's race, but, um, I think they've got a challenge in, in, in Anthony Moore. He's a really interesting guy. He's got an interesting background. Um, and his background includes specifically auditing, um, and he presents himself as a Baker-esque type of Republican, as I had said in the column. And he got the endorsement of Charlie Baker. I think to date his only endorsement, his only endorsement of a statewide candidate, at least. Uh, so I think, uh, like I said, I think that that's a, it's definitely a race to look out for because Massachusetts, you know, if Massachusetts uh, voters, especially like the unenrolled voting block, that's really crucial to a Massachusetts election. They don't mind splitting a ticket. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. Thanks for holding. Oh, sorry. Hello. Marcus, how are you, pal? Good. How are you? I'm very good. 
Um, so, Margaret, just to stay on point with your, your discussion, and you and I, by the way, we've had um, a lot of conversation about this, about uh, the Democrats in Massachusetts somehow electing a, whether it's a check and balance in the governorship, but, um, but you and I have had this conversation, and, and you've done your, your research going back, so, so, you know, just for your listening audience, and I know what you're saying, but two things, and again, registered Democrat, and Chris McCarthy would say, Barry, that's your own problem. <laughs> I'm still a registered Democrat, right, Mark? Right. But, uh, but so you and I have had this conversation. So two things. I just wanted to whittle back, like, where, where you know, what you're calling the only, uh, you want to say, shot in hell that the Republicans have as, as a uh, state office. Yeah. Or could we, for, for your listening audience, so let's let's go back to um, when Senator McLean, Biff McLean, big Democratic guy, you know John Silber. You remember back that far, right, Marcus? Mm-hmm. No, so, you know, <laughs> not really. Uh, well, okay. All right, yeah, so, uh, all right. Uh, do we have time? Do we have time for this? Do we have, can you get <laughs> sure? Can you give me three minutes? Uh, we're, we're in Philadelphia at the out. Hey. At the AFSCME, the uh, AFSCME convention is down in Philadelphia. That's the Association of Federal, State, and County Municipal Employees. But anyways, Marcus, and you, and you do such a good job of presenting this. And I'm tuning in. Uh, is Chris in, or is, is he taking a break? Uh, Chris will be back tomorrow. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So, so the check and balance, because I know where McCarthy would be. You know, he tells me that I'm registered Democrat. That's your own problem, Barry. But anyways, so Biff, uh, you know, who I grew up with. Um, he, they packed everybody in cars uh, to get, you know, Herr Silva elected, and, and boy, he just blew that. But then, um, you know, a lot of the Democrats, Biff included, uh, in a lot of the, um, I would say, yeah, back then there were not, not a lot of unenrolled or independents, but, but then came uh, Bill Weld and then Salucci and then, Pierce, yeah. you know, and, and then, so, so, I think, Marcus, you know, in order to be fair in, in Chris's absence, uh, absence, uh, you know, it's, it might surprise everybody. You know, if you and you do your research, son, um, you know, go back to how did we end up with Scott Brown? Scott Brown was there because of, of the governor had appointed, uh, I think, that somebody. Well, Ted uh, Kennedy, had, Ted Kennedy had died. Um, yes. Martha yep. Coakley was a uniquely terrible candidate. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a uh, it was a special election. So and everybody was upset with Obama. So it was like the perfect storm uh, for Scott yeah. Brown to get elected. And Scott Brown again yeah. presented himself in a in a moderate way. Yes. So correct. And and Marcus, you know, for for your listening audience, so there have been a lot of times when we have as as a as a as the Commonwealth mostly Democratic. There has been a time where we have elected um, a, a Republican governor, sure. And and when those ha- when those times happened, Jesus, everybody was shell shocked about that. You know, when 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 Bill Weld got in, I mean, you can't tell me that people weren't shell shocked. Yeah, and, and when they, well, I mean, Republican governors over the last, you know, God, half century, even that's been the norm more than than Democrat than the Democratic governors for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I hate to sound like my good friend Mike Capuano uh, when he was uh, campaigning for Hillary, but oh, this man. thing is, talk about Mara a shock. Healy, Mara Healy is definitely, you know, she'd be a great, great governor, but you know, if you're a Democrat, don't take it, it the task lightly. I guess is Marcus, if, if you could 
could could uh, narrow my my point that I'm trying to make. If you are a Democrat and Mara Healy is, you know, don't consider it just the heir apparent. You cannot take it for granted. You have to get out there and work for for this for this lady if that's if that's what you want because we do have a serious history of upsetting and it's a check in the balance and I think. That your listening audience is clearly. Educated I think if Do- I think if Dodie comes out of that race, I think she's got a lot more to be worried about than if Deal does. I think that's that's what I'll say. Is I think if Dodie comes out, I think people like actually to balance the the legislature in the in the governor's mansion, and I think she'd have a lot more to be worried about. If it's Deal, I, I just think people will, will recoil at his political positions. Barry, thanks. I got to take a break, um, but thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Hey, welcome back to South Coast Tonight. Uh, I'm Marcus. Uh, Chris is uh, out for tonight, but he will be back uh, for tomorrow, and uh, looking forward to that. Uh, I have at Attleboro Mayor and candidate for Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haru. Uh, that's going to be, he's going to be joining me here in studio momentarily. On the other side of the news uh, in the 8 o'clock hour, he's going to be joining me to talk about uh, his campaign for sheriff you know what his um, what his path to victory, uh, what path to victory he he envisions, and um, why he uh, believes he's the um, better alternative to not only the other Democrats um, in the in the primary race, but to Sheriff Hodgson himself. Of course, we're taking your calls at five zero eight nine nine six oh five hundred. So I can get the pr- program. Yeah, like um like Barry had said, the last caller Barry had said, it's it's true that it's true that um that over you know last. 30 some odd years, uh, the Republican, you know, Republican governors are actually more po- commonplace in Massachusetts, uh, than, and then than in Massachusetts, than democratic governors, uh, you had DeBald Patrick and Tim Murray, you know, who had won in 06 and 2010, but you know, you had Charlie Baker, Mitt Romney, uh, Mitt Romney had run a, Mitt Romney had uh, been governor for a term and, you know, just long enough for him to, uh, launch a presidential run and then left as Lieutenant governor, um, uh, basically on a lurch, right? And then you had Paul Salucci, Bill Welt, uh, before that. So yeah, though no, that's true that, 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 um, I guess voters like to quote unquote balance a ticket. I'm not sure I believe in that necessarily, but, um, they, they didn't, Jeff Deal isn't the type of candidate that they elected. Uh, you know, I think, like I said, I think that type of Trump or pol- uh, Trump politics, Throughout the Commonwealth, I think the unenrolled voting block, right, that's really crucial for a Republican or really anybody to win uh, a statewide election, I think they're going to recoil at that type of politics. So if he wins the primary, uh, I think any shot at um, really the... uh, uh, um, the Republican remaining in the governor's mansion. I don't know. I know we don't have a governor's mansion, but the corner office will say uh, is is dashed um, against... Uh, Attorney General Healy, and um, I think that's the entire reasoning behind uh, Doty's candidacy. You know, I think the Republicans are saying, "Oh, we have a can't we have a race that we don't necessarily have to lose, and we're going to lose it um, by electing somebody who's you know not really in line with the type of." candidate that that a lot of um you know massachusetts voters like because there isn't really a lot of registered republicans it's mostly independents uh right we've got democrats i think 13 percent of the state is republican if i'm not mistaken so where a republican can get support it's got to be with it's got to be with independents so you you generally have to have someone who isn't that type of 
that 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 brand uh, of politics. I don't think they'll win. 508-996-0500. And of course, we're taking your messages on the app chat. We've been getting a lot of uh, messages on the app chat over the last few days. And uh, I'll read them if I like them. If I don't like them, uh, I won't read them. If they're mean, they better be creative. And uh, if they're nice, I'll definitely read them. So um, I'm going to actually take another break and then we'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, South Coast tonight. I'm uh, I'm Marcus. Chris is out for the night. He'll be back tomorrow. We got uh, Attleboro Mayor uh, Paul Haru, candidate for Bristol County Sheriff, uh, joining me uh, at the other end of the news break. So stay tuned.